On this episode of Horribly Awkward, we talk about my crazy ice cream deciding stories. And hypnosis. George Clooney might be a hunk. I say he is, but uh, we also talk about socially awkward anxiety. And we talk about how I walk around looking at my shoes because I'm afraid to look people in the eyes. So you podcast instead. All of that and lots, 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 lots more on this episode, so stick around. Hey, this is Maggie Carr from Maggie vs. Evil Dead. You can look it up on YouTube and God have mercy on your soul because you're about to listen to Sean on Horribly Awkward Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Sissy Jones from Firewatch. I'm Delilah. I hate to tell you guys, but the rumors are not true. Sean is not horribly awkward. You've all been terribly misled. Hey, y'all, this is Lou Temple. You know me as Axel on The Walking Dead. And soon as Psycho Head, Rob Zombie's new movie, soon to be released, 31. And you're listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. Keep tuning in. Follow me. Hey, this is Dragonfly from Pure Gasmic Love. And you are listening to the Horribly Awkward Podcast. It's time to get awkward. Horribly Awkward Improv. Take one. Action. Hey, Miss Mullen. How you doing? It's Dr. Mullen. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I, you know me. I'm not, I just, I'm not professional at all. That's, you know, my parents are always yelling at me and stuff because I still call them Barbara and Dan, but it should be mom and dad. Oh, so I see. Yeah. Um, so, so, so what, do, what do you need help with today? Well, Sean, it, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. It's weird. None of my friends understand me, but I, I got this like this draw, this addiction to watch South Park episodes. I have to watch 10 episodes every day. The, the exact number. I have to watch 10 episodes every day. It's getting in, in the way of my work because I'm, you know, I'm driving around at work and I'm watching South Park and I have to like focus on the screen. Uh huh. So, well, so I can help you with that. Yes, I, th- I'm I think you should. I think you should watch 25 episodes of South Park instead. Whoa! You're every day. I you're, want you to watch 25 episodes of South Park. You're the best doctor and then, ever. <laughs> and then in a week, I want to hear how that's going for you. That sounds like when when I had a friend who smoked and his the parents said, "You're not 18. You can't smoke. I'm going to make you smoke a whole pack to your head." And then he stopped forever. Exactly it. It's a strategic intervention. <sighs> so you'll get sick of it. Like you can handle ten episodes, but you'll get sick of it at twenty-five. But but this flyer right here says that you, you do hypnosis. You can you can put me under. I could. I have I have a little watch and you could, you know, watch it tick tock, tick tock and put you under. Let's try. But okay, so um Hold okay, on, wait, so this, 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 your seat sucks. Why is this seat so uncomfortable? Aren't you supposed to be like a doctor? Why? Hold on, let me get comfortable. Oh, my couch is out for repair. Oh, this, <laughs> oh, this seat sucks. Sorry, that's just the substitute seat. Okay, that's cool. I, I, okay, I'm comfortable. I'm okay. Comfortable. Do I stare at the watch or do I have to watch it go back and forth? Or, I don't understand. Do I look through the watch like one of those magic eye paintings, those posters? You can, yes, look through it. Okay, click clock. Okay, and as I count to three, 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 two, one, you'll go under. And I think that you, now that you're under, you are going to 
want to puke every time that you watch South Park. Anytime you hear Cartman's voice, you will cringe. And when the little guy, Kenny, gets on the screen, then you'll have to turn it off because you might watch it a little bit and you'll, but if Cartman's not in the scene, you won't be, you know, turned off by it. But when Kenny comes on, you'll need to turn the TV off. You'll have an urge to turn the, the screen off. Hold on. Can we so, take a break? Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to see if there's any new South Park episodes on. Um, um, I don't think your hypnosis thing worked because I've, I've been just listening to you. Like, oh, Throw up. Are you get are you getting are you getting nauseous with Cartman? I I just I, I said the word South. See, and there's no there's no out word. So okay. you okay um you got it um I think I think you're ready. I think you should turn it on now. Uh okay I'm gonna can we reschedule for next week? No, you have to sit with this. No, we're we're staying in this. <laughs> Thank God for garbage cans near the chairs. And scene! <laughs> yes. yes! Hey, Norma! Give us a horribly awkward. Horribly awkward! Horribly awkward. Horribly awkward. Horribly awkward. Horribly awkward. <laughs> Sean, dude, you're horribly awkward. Sean, I know you think this is weird, but it's not as weird as you think it is, dude. Don't do that, it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 76 of Horribly Awkward. If you want to find out what crazy story Colleen told to fuel that improv skit, you can always find that at the end of the podcast. So go look for it. It's there after the wrap-up. I'm Sean. Some know me as John, some know me as Imes, some know me as just that one dude that you don't like very much, but you're kind of nice to him because he's kind of nice, so you make an exception to be less horrible to him? That's me, and I thank you for that. Thanks for downloading and listening. I do appreciate it. If you like what you hear, tell your neighbor in a very creepy way. So creepy, he calls the police and tells the police in that same creepy way. So creepy, they tell the FBI. And then now I got the police and the FBI looking into my podcast. I might even get some government downloads. <laughs> so you mouth, might get some extra downloads. <laughs> word of mouth is a beautiful thing, so use what your mama gave you. I got a voicemail number, so leave me a voicemail and I'll, and I'll play it. Say some stuff and I'll play some stuff. That's how it works. 510-603-475. And as always, you can find that down below in the description. So if you're laying on the couch, getting your head shrunk by someone who probably understands your problems more than you do, it's cool. Wait till that 60-minute timer is up and then look in the description because that's where you'll find the voicemail number. You can also reach out to me the old-fashioned way at horriblyawkwardpodcast at gmail.com or my personal address, which is Fresno, California, 93727. I don't know if you missed that first part, but I just gave out my personal address. On today's show, we have to be very quiet. I'm just kidding. On today's show! Okay, things might get a little less awkward, but my, uh, but my plan is to make things awkward for her. I have someone who's super good at speaking and uh, sounds nothing like me. And by that, I mean smart, actually smart. Uh, she is an actual real life therapist. Is that correct? Yes. 
licensed and everything. <laughs> and even though she does therapy and li- she's licensed and she's super professional, she has some awesome podcasts. So she has two really cool podcasts. One is her more personal podcast, I'd say, with guests and stuff uh, called uh, uh, Coaching Through Chaos. Mm-hmm. And the other is a cooperative podcast with Mr. Courtney Calkins. Did I say his last name right? Calkins? Yeah. Calkins? It's an unfortunate name, Courtney Calkins. Calkins. For a guy. From the Quadcast podcast, which if you guys follow Potter Family, you've probably heard of all these podcasts I just mentioned because they're out there. The, new, the, other one, the one with Courtney is called Shrink to Shrink, which is an awesome title. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so everybody welcome Colleen Mullins! <laughs> Well, thanks, Sean. That was a great intro. Thanks. Yeah. What is up, Colleen? I'm so glad you're here because I need you to I need you to break down my whole life for me. It's a mess. <laughs> well, I heard you're horribly awkward and you need some help, so here I am. Yeah, I just wanna I just wanna take the awkward down just a little pinch, so I'm just awkward. Just take the horribly I I guess I could just do You just wanna horrible. you just you'd be okay with just being awkward. Yeah, I mean a good start. Would be that's just, a that's a good start. <laughs> just just taking it out of the podcast title. Just awkward. right. So, sometimes we just need like small attainable goals in life, you know. And if we just go from horribly awkward to awkward, that's probably a pretty good move. It's it's a it's a step in the right direction. But no, I need the horribly awkward. It's just I I need it. That's just me. It makes me feel good. <laughs> okay. So we won't we won't change you too much during this show today. Yeah. Let's uh. We'll see how I feel at the end. Ask me that question again at the end, and okay. it might happen. But I, how, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Ah, you, I'm I'm doing awesome. California is awesome right now. It's like say, 65 degrees. <laughs> it's yeah, 65 it's degrees. Pretty nice day here. It's a little cool. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, sun's out. We're a couple of hours away, but I live right by the beach, so it's a little different temperatures in Fresno. Yeah, you probably you guys have the nice summers. We got the 110, 113. Well, I I yeah, was living in a part of San Diego where it gets that hot, but now I live at the coast, so it's much cooler. Ooh, I hate the heat. Can't escape the heat. So you got some kick ass podcasts. Let me tell you. Thank this. you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, I was listening to Shrink the Shrink recently. I um I so you and Courtney get together and you do – Courtney is also a licensed therapist? Yes. Yeah, we're both licensed marriage and family therapists with our master's. I have the doctorate on top of it. And so we got together because Courtney was doing his quadcast show that he does with Swanee, his co-host. And he reached out to me through Twitter at some point and said, hey, you want to come on the air and talk you know, talk psych stuff because he never gets to do that with his with his co-host. And so we did. And we did one episode. And I think we talked about like uh, EMDR and like trauma and things like that. And then we did another episode where we talked about AI in the movies and kind of had a compilation of different movies that we talked about that that month. And people really liked it. Like his numbers jumped up tremendously. We had a good time doing it. Then we did another um, one for, um, I always forget the name, the emotion movie. Um, I can't think of it with all little cartoon characters. Um, oh, that was a good movie. Uh, hold on. Let's figure it out. It's, it's a Pixar movie. Yes. Oh, what is it? Oh, oh. This is horribly awkward because now no, I'm Googling no. it. Yeah, Google it. Oh, I was yeah. trying to think if I'd come up with it. I just I watched that too not that long ago. That was really cool. I like that. 
this is dealt with like the the anger and the sad and inside out inside out out. yeah right so we did that and his numbers were great and we had a great time doing it so then he said you know like everybody likes what we're doing we're liking it why don't we just do a new show so we launched shrink to shrink and officially it's like shrink to shrink on film we just need to kind of change our graphics up a little bit and we take one one movie a month and break it apart by scenes and then kind of psychobabble about the different relationship and psych aspects of the movies. And we've done some really cool movies since April. I, I personally love doing that show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a really unique idea. And uh, as I'm listening, I listened to the, I listened to the bridesmaids one Yeah. and how you guys broke down a lot, a lot of it. Okay. For one, for one, my, my crush, my love, the love of my life is Kristen Wiig. Really? Yes, oh my, well, she's she's good. Yeah. So you guys are breaking her down. I love I love how you just broke down the characters and you're breaking down how they um, they have the <laughs> they're doing the competition sort of relationship thing, trying to one up each other. Right, and, and how like like planning weddings can like kill friendships among w- women and the female you know competition for BFF status and I think I think you know like as a woman who's been single on and off here and there for a long time I think I relate to a lot of what Kristen Wiig's character was going through so it was like fun and that's kind of my go-to girly movie where I just kind of want to like have a good laugh and so it was fun to do it on the show and kind of break it down especially since Courtney really kind of didn't like it mm. and normally normally we we both pick out some scenes and he was just like well i watch it because i told him i said that's a hysterical movie i said just go watch it like and he watched he's like eh, i watched it you know he goes let's see what you come up with he goes i don't know enough about about it to pick it out so you know we ended up then with an even with a longer episode than we normally do i think because we pulled out so much from it but it was fun to break it down yeah i i, I like bridesmaids i'm Mm-hmm. Take my man car, do what you want with it. But I liked bri- bridesmaids. I, I actually went with two guy friends. We just knew there were some funny chicks in it, so mm-hmm. we just went to go see it. We didn't know it was completely what it was, but yeah. I had a good time. Uh huh. The very end uh-huh. of the movie, something happened to the reel. It got screwed up, so they gave us our basically gave us free tickets to go watch another movie. So that was a plus. <laughs> Uh, but but I really liked it, I, and then after that, I had brought it. I when it came out on DVD or whatever, I, I rented it, and then I watched it with like my mom and my grandma, and they really liked it. So did you watch the? I always call it the back end of the DVD, the different like outtakes and the scenes. I didn't. When you, oh my gosh, you have to go watch it. Some of the funniest stuff is on that part. It's on the DVD stuff that nobody sees in the movie theater. There, uh, yeah. I bet you there's with a lot the, of improv in there, right? Improv, right. Some, impro- Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy and a scene on where she's sitting at her at her office, and she's and it didn't even get into the movie, and she's sitting there giving like funny, funny examples of like um, ideas for the wedding shower, and the bridal shower, and like she has the Fight Club one that goes in that actually is in the movie, but she rambles off probably 20 different ideas and it, one is funnier than the next. So I, if, if I thought I was that funny, I would do it, but it's, I can't do it justice, but man, she's funny. So it's well worth watching. Yeah, that's right. So little, everybody yeah. should go get the DVD of this movie and watch it just to see that scene. Or maybe they could YouTube it. Maybe it's on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it most likely is, but you got right. to love comedies when they, they just kind of give the comedians a little, you know, Get her a little wiggle room to 
to just improv some stuff and then just oh that that's a keeper so exactly. i the one we're talking about they'll have a uh, fight club and just bring take uh, just show up and beat the shit out of her <laughs> and you're like yeah <laughs> uh, melissa mccarthy she's she's hilarious yeah she's really funny and um and another sh- one you did was uh what was the other one uh instead of no wild the wild right oh right wild with oh, wild. reese Witters- Reese Witherspoon and we did that one for January it's kind of like a you know new start for the new year and so we, we try and pick little themes like Bridesmaids was done because it's for February Valentine's Day then with the new year we wanted to get something about new starts and so Wild with Reese Witherspoon was the one that we did and that one is definitely a total change over from Bridesmaids that one's a very serious movie deals with a woman who had drug addiction it's a true story where the woman goes on this journey through the Pacific Coast um, trail so 1100 miles over three months walking by herself and kind of this journey of discovering who she is and how she wants to live. So that was really, I had, I had not even known about that movie and I just kind of was like Googling themes to find a movie and I found that and I just thought, wow, that was a good one. And then on that end, I also like doing Demolition. I had not known that movie either with Jake Gyllenhaal. And those are both really big actors, and I really love both of them. And I didn't know about either of those movies. I guess I'm a little far for do, for hosting a movie show. I'm a little far removed from the movies that are out there. I have to Google everything to find a movie. <laughs> I, a Demolition, I haven't heard of actually. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Is that a new uh, new new movie? Well, we did it. It was on, you know, you could rent it on Amazon a couple of months ago, but it was about like um, his life is in in demolition, but there's a lot of active him destroying things in his life. And it's this, you know, um, very much um, uh, I want to say a cerebral movie where he, you know, you're watching him go through this tragedy and how he falls apart, all the demolition of him emotionally and how it, how it comes back or possibly redeems itself at the end. So it was a really good movie. That's, so that was a that good one. I'd say you should listen to that one. That's a good one. Yeah. I actually want to watch that movie. I might yeah. watch the movie first cause I'm into, I'm into all that stuff. That just, everything you just said sounds cool. I, I, I like, I like dark dramas. Yeah, Definitely yeah. dark movie. But Wild was great. Actually, I saw it in yeah. the theater. I went with my aunt, oh. my mom, maybe my cousin. Um, we saw it in the, the theater, and I really liked that. I like Reese Witherspoon, and I, and I just kind of liked that story. And I was like, nope. I would have got like three miles and just said, you know, you know, I got a lot of fun stuff at home. You know, I can <laughs> – but <laughs> – like I like I told you before, I mean I dealt with addiction, drug addiction for many years. I was stuck in that that cycle of whatever. So at, was uh-huh. as they're talking about her story with drug addiction, how she, she's just she's basically just a broken person at that point. That's I mean I I know all that stuff. I've been through all that stuff. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a, that probably was a movie that you're watching with a different perspective, maybe than some other people that haven't been through it. But yeah. I, I just I admire that kind of stuff. I admire, you know, people that go on these personal journeys and just kind of leave their lives behind and and do that. Like, I'd want to do that someday. <laughs> I don't Sounds know if I ever fun. will, but I, I would I would kind of fantasize about it. I think it's pretty cool to, to do that. Yeah. And then uh, when, when you're like two days in and go, dang, I didn't. I don't have a charger for my I think phone. I, can, I, I didn't think pay I can my get bill. 10 days. 
No, I think I could do 10 days before. The nighttime stuff would be a little scary, but I think I could do 10 days before going, what was I thinking, you know? Yeah. So wait, I'm into she, some um, extreme stuff anyway, so like exercise and things like that. So I, I, I could probably see doing 10 days of that. So before the, questioning and, my judgment. <laughs> oh yeah, you just you just it's just like what are, wait why why am I doing this? Yeah, why am I, I doing this? Am I really gonna she, survive? <laughs> yeah, in the movie she like packs like so much stuff that way more stuff than she needs. What, what, right. What was her hike though? I forgot like what she was where she was going to where she was going. Well, the Pacific Coast Trail. So she started out down in Southern, I think it's Southern California and goes all the way up to maybe, or what was it, Oregon or Seattle, something like that. So it goes all the way up north. And um, she was just doing the 1,100 miles of it. And so she even passed at some point, they, yeah, 1,100 miles by foot. Like who can do that? Like I have friends that are like extreme marathoners, what they call ultra marathoners mm-hmm. and stuff. And I just... Just like, how do you do that? So this is 1,100 miles. She was, I don't know how close she was to her addiction or being done with it when she did it, like the real woman that did it. But, um, you know, that's quite a feat for anybody in whatever frame of mind they've been in to do something like that. And so she even had to detour around snow patches and things like that. So um, pretty amazing. Great movie. I suggest everyone watch that movie mm-hmm. and also listen to that podcast because the podcast is rad. Thank you. And yeah. Who does your guys' artwork? I think your artwork oh. as well as the, the quad art. There's all yeah. those funny artworks. They look awesome. So um, the Shrink to Shrink logo uh-huh. was a compilation between, you know, Courtney had somebody on Fiverr make his. I had a friend of mine make my avatar. And then the Dr. B who produces my show, Coaching Through Chaos, he put it all together. And then uh, my producer does um, uh, all the artwork for each episode of Coaching Through Chaos. And we do different different pictures for different posts and stuff like that. So he does all that as part of the background of putting together Coaching Through Chaos. That's yeah, that's awesome. You you had a you had an episode on coaching through chaos with uh what was the guy's name? What was he? The guy's name was uh what was the guy's name used to be? Tell me the episode uh, or like what was he doing? See, I'm bad with words, so I feel like I'm gonna say something inappropriate. Uh, transsexual. Oh. Xander, he's one of my very good friends, Xander Keg. So Xander started out as a woman and is fully medically transitioned to a man. And the reason I even interviewed him is because I met him at some party. He's a therapist in town and we were at like a housewarming party at one of my friend's houses and I'm talking to him and never occurred to me that he was anything other than a man, you know, that had ever been anything. And you know, we connected over Facebook and then I saw a link to his webpage and I went to the webpage and I'm like, what? Like it's all <laughs> trans stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then we were talking. I'm like, I'm like, is that who you are? Is that what your life was? And he's like, oh yeah. He goes, I talk about this stuff all the time. And he, you know, does conferences. He does um, edits books, you know, on it or contributes to books on trans uh, gender or trans life. And um, so he's really well-known authority on the subject and has experienced it. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, could I interview you? So we did it. And now we're like very good friends. He's an amazing person and uh, just a really inspirational and, and um, good hearted person. 
So, and he's got a really interesting life because it wasn't just about the transition from female to male. His whole life was transitions. Like he almost died when he was born. Then he had encephalitis when he was six. Then there was like something else when he was a teenager. I mean, so it wasn't even that he this wasn't the typical story of someone who like always grew up knowing, knowing that they were not wearing the gender that they expected to be, you know, that they felt he didn't even connect with that. I think until he was like in his late twenties and um, then it kind of clicked for him. He learned about trans life and thought that that would fit for him when he otherwise had been, I think he said something about like a progressive uh, I think he called himself a dyke, you know, uh, Latino <laughs> or Latina, something around like, like the whole tagline is that this, you know, Latina lesbian, you know, um, activist became a white male. You know, he lost all part of his story is that he lost his cultural identity as well, because all of a sudden he became because he didn't look quite as Latino as a man as he did as a woman, I guess. I haven't seen pictures. He doesn't deal with that part of his life or show that publicly anymore. And um, he, you know, so he lost his cultural identity and then was seen as a as a white male. So all of a sudden then he was living with white privilege that people were projecting onto him. And yeah. he was just kind of like, what? Like, how did that happen? He didn't expect to have that kind of prejudice happen against him. So they don't know anything like as I didn't. I, you know, nobody knows that he was ever a woman. And so they just see him as this white guy. And they project that, oh, he can't relate to this or that because he's white privilege and all that stuff. So it's really, he's a fascinating person. And, and I, I feel really fortunate to know him and call him a friend at this point. Yeah, that was a really interesting podcast. And a lot of people don't really think of the stuff someone goes through mentally with the transition from a female to a male or a male to a female is if if you if you if that, if you're not in that mindset you have no idea you have no like mm. zero idea and when i'm listening to the podcast i if you didn't bring it up i would have no idea that 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 wasn't that wasn't a man who has been a man his whole life exactly nope. especially when you hear the episode and you see him he's this white looking bald bearded guy you know and built like a guy and everything else because he is medically transitioned so of course any female sort of um, look to him has been eradicated and he very much looks the part that he is, looks the gender that he is. So he is definitely gender confirmed at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that dude sounded and, like a, like a cool person to talk to and probably right. a cool and person to the, hang out with. In the middle of it, he's been 14 years, I think, with his wife. So through the transition, they got together when he was a woman. And so she has stayed with him and they have adjusted their their relationship to him being a man. So there's wow. that too, which is fascinating because most most people can't even get through a couple of months together without having problems come in the world. And here he is transitioning genders and and he's he's made this relationship work or they've made this relationship work. So really just that. So that um, so Xander K K E I G would be um, the episode people would look for and they can Google him also. I think it's Xander dot net would be his website. Yeah, that's awesome. See, I know in a lot of relationships, you, 
your your boyfriend or your husband or your your wife or your girlfriend can't even handle you change your haircut. Like I don't, right. know, I don't like the haircut. Like what are you doing? <laughs> I know I'm going brunette in a couple of weeks and I keep thinking like people are like not going to be able to handle seeing me look like my old self. But, you know, it's just, so, so the, the blonde is dye. You dyed it. Yes. Yeah. I'm a natural brunette, but I've been I've been blonde for about seven or eight years and I'm just itching for a change a little bit. So I've got the appointment set at the end of the month. Oh, I, and- I'm, I'm itching for a change, too, but I'm a natural bald. So. <laughs> There's not much change unless I want to grow the sides out like Homer Simpson or something. Don't do um, that. Don't do that. Just be okay with your skin on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just shave it. And if I get lazy, if I get really lazy, I'll go like a couple weeks and it just feels like uh, my head starts itching and uh, I hate it. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. So so let's talk a little bit about your profession a little bit. Sure. I feel like I'm doing an interview. I, I don't really do interviews. It's more like com- conversations. Oh, but, okay. But, yeah. but I really – I want to know. I want to know some stuff. So Okay. You, you got the podcast. All that stuff is right. fueled by, by your profession. Mm-hmm. What is what exactly is your profession? I'm the I'm the biggest dummy when it comes to knowing anything about anything. So you have to break, break this down into like simple – dummy terms like the open the big book the 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 dummy book for uh what is it like therapy therapy for dummies mm-hmm. page I one think I, I think i have that book on my shelf somewhere um <laughs> so yeah so i am you know a psychotherapist and i have an office with a couch and people come in and they sit on the couch and they tell me about their lives they tell me about their problems and i see my role as helping guide them like i can i can hear the bigger picture of what they want their life to look like and so i help guide them into making those changes and hopefully their lasting changes so um i've been uh, in private practice, like opened up my own office um, in 2007, um, and I've been doing, I've been working in the field of, of psychology since uh, as a therapist since 2002. Um, I spent a lot of time working with foster kids um, uh, in the foster homes or running um, a group home for teenage girls. I worked with. Um, drug addicts in a Prop 36 program, like the jail diversion program back in 2002 also. Um, I ran a major rehab, a big like 165-bed Salvation Army rehab here in San Diego for about a year and a half and learned a lot. And I, I also say like I, I you know, specialize in addictions. I specialize in people that have major life transitions to make. So whether that's transitioning out of an addiction or in or out of a relationship, you know, sometimes people need help committing in their relationships or they need help getting out of their relationships. So I really love working with people in or out of relationships um, around that um, because they usually are struggling then with something that's been an obstacle for them, whether it's making the commitment or making the decision to leave and empower themselves in some way. Um, so, so I've been doing that, um, in my private practice, I always say that my ideal clients are the people that kind of self-select to me are really successful in some area of their life. Usually it's like in their business life. I have a lot of business owners and things like that. Um, and, but have really, you know, messed up personal lives or they are secretly drinking too much or they're popping pain pills be- to get through the day because their back is killing them. And now they're, they're concerned that they're dependent on the pain pills. So, um, so people with lots of secrets behind the scenes of these big successful lives. So, um, so that's what I do personally, but I also, 
have now built into an expanded practice where I have um, up and coming therapists, um, you know, working for me. Um, and so I supervise and mentor them. Like I want them to be really successful as well. Um, but also kind of help them understand how to develop their own practice. So, um, I'd love to mention, cause I think your audience would probably get a kick out of seeing his stuff. Um, one of the guys that works for me is Josh Hudson mm -hmm. and he has a web, uh, he has a YouTube channel called pinnacle of man. And he's been making videos for about two years helping guys learn self-confidence, learn how to talk to women, learn how to empower themselves and overcome obstacles and oh, things this. like I that. Oh, this. you'd love his video. So Pinnacle of Man is, and you can even find pinnacleofman.com is his website with a blog, but the most current stuff is his videos on YouTube. And so, um, and then I have also, um, uh, Valerie Holcomb, who is a, um, uh, who is our parent and, uh, child specialist. You know, we all have the same degree. We're all marriage and family therapists, but we have different populations that we take to, like I take to the ones I was just describing, Josh, feels like he was a awkward guy as a teenager in early twenties. And so now that's his population. He helps those guys feel better about themselves. So like 18 to 35 or so is his population of people. And that's who his videos are geared towards. And, um, and then Valerie relates, she was a school teacher and now she has her master's in uh, marriage and family therapy and is a mom. So she likes empowering moms and working with the kids and helping the kids you know, alter their behaviors and things like that and helping families in general. So over the next year, we actually have plans for expanding into more therapists and things like that. So if anybody's interested, I'd say they should just check back at coachingthroughchaos.com over time and, and see what, what's going on. Because we also do a lot of stuff like um, uh, around the internet with different blog posts and videos. And and obviously the podcast is part of the Coaching Through Chaos um, uh, podcast is also a vehicle that helps um, you know, uh, I, I think it's a, it's an enhancement to the practice. It keeps me on my toes, um, doing the interviews of the people and finding people who I think are relevant that people would want to hear from. So, wow, so that's what got, I do. There's a lot of stuff going on. I do. I'm a very busy, very busy girl. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, 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 I admire, I really have a lot of respect for people who, 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 who are in that kind of profession, who are trying to help mm -hmm. others as, uh, as, you know, I, 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 I'm an open book, so anything you feel like asking as we talk, just feel uh -huh. free. Just let it fly. I don't care. I'm an open book. I, I dealt with drug addiction. You know, like I said, you know, I'm, I say I'm awkward. I have social anxiety. I have bad yeah. social anxiety. I grew up with that. I grew up, so, always had it. So, and how long ago was your addiction? So, 2002, I had a job working long shifts, 12 to 12, 4 to 4. Like, it was, it was crazy. I've always had this social anxiety, but through that mm -hmm. job and, and everybody there was pretty much on drugs. I, I tried like, I tried crank, right? For the first uh -huh. time. I was Up. thinking you're in Fresno. I wondered if it was meth. Yes. A lot of, so, a lot of meth of Fresno. Well, it was, that, the capital, it, it was the capital of California for a while. The meth capital oh, was Fresno. Is that what everyone thinks that don't live here? Oh, no, it's so true. Bad. It it's is, true. yeah. That's where it was. I think also for a Grand Theft Auto. Oh, I think for like cars being you. stolen. Well, you have a lot of drug addicts who need <laughs> impulsively need money. They're going to steal cars. Yeah. So anyway, so that's so 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 you got into crank and meth and and for a while. And how long ago did you did you leave it behind? Did you do it through therapy or how'd you do it? So 
2002, I tried it. I don't, I forgot even why. Oh, I was dealing with the depression of, of breaking up with an ex-girlfriend and that had me all screwed up and I, I just did, basically I did it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, I kind of realized very quick that my social anxiety walls drop. They disappear. Uh, now I'm talking to people I don't even need to talk to and I'm talking a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then of course, like all drug addicts that, that works for a very l- short amount of time and then... You're basically in this cycle of needing needing it to keep yourself normal. Yes. So that was like a six out. That was a six year bender that never Oof. ended, and that's the only yeah. thing I did. I didn't watch movies. I didn't play video games. I didn't have any friends that weren't drug addicts. I, I sold Jeez. everything I own. I had nothing, and I just rode around on a bike. And t- unless that bike was worth money, and I'd sell the bike. You were and- in it. Yeah, I was in. That's all I knew. That was all I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so you so you st- so somehow you stopped. Yeah, well, the reason I stopped is because I went to jail. Uh, well, actually, I got arrested, 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 arrested. Maybe because I'm just a white male, they let me. I got a slap on the wrist, and I was let off easy every time, which did not help me. It was more like, oh, right. I can just get away with stuff. Exactly. You didn't have consequences for, for your actions. Yeah, it's like the kids who constantly do stuff and their parents don't even go ground mm-hmm. them. They don't take away any of their privileges. And it's just they kind of grow up thinking, oh, I just get away with whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, eventually I went to jail, finally went to jail for like a month. And I was like, I do not want to do this. Uh-huh. They actually sent me to like a, 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 <laughs> like a low end jail where they had like a microwave. Um, they can go out for work detail if you wanted to, but, but I, when I got out, I got the option of, of, look, you're going to go to prison or you got to go to a program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is an opportunity. Cause I, I've been, I, I, I want, I always wanted to like not do it. I just kind of, yeah. at one point when I, you're in it, when you're in it, you can't see how to get out of it. Yeah. And you might know that there are programs. You might know that people can go places. But when you're stuck and you're addicted, it's hard to pull yourself out and go, okay, today's the day. I'm just going to go check in. Yeah. Yeah, it's, especially if, you're, you, if you have freedom. That's not the, mm-hmm. that's the last thing you're thinking on your mind. Right. So, but uh, it's, it's so hard because people who listen who have not done drugs are just never do them. For one, never do them. Yeah, but, right. But they have no idea. They're like, how do people let themselves get like that? And it, it's it's not as simple as that. Yeah. Well, no, and and I mean, and the whole problem with it is that you're doing it for one reason for a little while in the beginning. Like you said, all of a sudden you weren't awkward anymore. You were talking to people. You were social. You were not probably feeling the pain of your breakup, you know. And then at some point, you don't have any control over it. There's a day when you wake up and you have no control over whether or not you're using. Because in the beginning, you have some control, you know. And then there's a day where you wake up and you just don't have control anymore. And so then you, you know, then. And that's the part that the people who haven't done it don't get. And so, yeah. So, so you, so you ended up in a program and, and did, did that? Yeah, actually I got the, they gave me the option, go to a program or go to prison. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I went to the program and um, I, I quit. I, I, I just, I was like, I'm kind of being forced to quit and I like it. I like being forced mm-hmm. to do things. It made it easy for me. I went to a program and there was, I mean, programs you probably know are very, very, very strict on the rules. It's like, do this or you're out. Yeah. And uh, I I scratched my name. I like did graffiti on a plastic spoon, which is like, 
in my head, I'm like, this is a plastic spoon, just throw it away. But that's not the rules. The rules are you need to make, you need to change your life. So, yeah, uh, you follow the rules. Like, well, it's about structure when you're looking at recovery programs. Some of the stuff sounds ridiculous, yeah. but it's about structure and conformity because when you're addicted, there is no structure and there's no conformity in your life. Zero. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, and in, in my role um, at the Salvation Army, like, literally guys were like that. It was like you go to the, to the, I call it the Sally, you go to the Sally or you go to jail. And there were times where if they broke the rules, I was having to call probation officers and send people back. And that was a horrible, was like, hard. I remember the first couple of times that that happened. Well, I remember thinking I was going to get killed on the way home, thinking, oh, my God, they're going to send somebody after me. But I realized, you know, like, and that's why, like, I have this real affinity for working with people who have, who want to change from addiction, want to, want to recover, because they get, they, they were like, everybody was like gracious about going back to prison. And they were like, no, I understand. I broke the rule. Like, this is what I have to do. Like, you're right in sending me back. And uh, it was just like this weird experience to do that. Um, thankfully, it didn't happen very much. So for people listening, please don't think I got any pleasure out of sending people back to jail. I didn't. And, uh, but there was a lot of growth in that. And for, for you, so how, um, so now that was many, many years. You're like, well, like what? Like ten years at least, clean. I yeah, t- ten years in September. I'll I'll be ten years clean off at any of that stuff. Good for you. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I remember like w- when I got kicked out first, just writing my name on the plastic spoon or whatever. He just kind of yeah. he took my name tag thing off because I worked. I was at the um, Pavarello house here in Fresno, so we th- they we basically would help homeless. So we'd make them lunches yeah. and dinners and all that stuff. And he's just like, you're never gonna change. And I basically just say get get out of here. And but I, I I did change though. I mean I did. I never went back to the drugs. And I, and I, you know that that was. It's always scary. It took me years and years of nightmares of of having drug relapses. I'd have these nightmares all the time. Well, that's part of the part of the part of recovery is like the the using dreams. You know, um, it, it's part of part of that. So, so did you not really do a lot of therapy then or, and just kind of go on your own? I, when I, well, he kicked me out and I went into another program and I met a lot of good, really good people over there. I I started going to church. I started going to this thing called celebrate recovery. Uh Um, I did four years of, of meetings every week. Oh. Um, Oh, so you did a lot of, a lot of work on yourself. Yeah. I was, uh, I was determined to like never. I mean, I, I'm I'm still afraid. I mean, I don't think I'm going to use stuff, but I'm always afraid. Like a, a thought will cross my mind and go, if you know, if I if I did use, I would be I would be screwed. I would. I mean, I have a lot of nice stuff. I live in my own place. You know, I can afford mm-hmm. rent, and I have a job, and I can keep my job, and and all my paycheck isn't fronted out by the time I get my paychecks, right. and. Uh, it, it scares. It always scares me, even though I know I'd never touch it because it only take one time. And yeah. I, well, and, and and that's one of the best. I mean, you have to live with that that knowledge and that fear that you know it is just going to be one time. And uh, 
you know, thankfully I didn't have addiction to severe drugs, but I was, you know, I was two pack a day cigarette smoker. And, uh, and, and I have the same thinking about that. It's easy to go, oh, I have friends that just smoke here and there. I was never that person. I know if I have one, I'm smoking two packs that same day. And I know enough to know that like, I, I just could never do that even though it's a different repercussion than doing starting up with meth again. Right. But it's, it's, it's still addiction, you know? And so, um, yeah, well, I give you a lot of credit for kind of having that determination and doing that because it's, it's a tough road. So good for you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it was a scary road. Every once in a while, I have those dreams too. Every once in a while, I'll have them yeah. and I'll wake up and, and I'm, it take me a couple of minutes to adjust my brain and go, okay, I didn't, did I actually use, no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't do drugs. I didn't do drugs. Yeah. That didn't happen. That was a dream. And then it's like, oh wow, life is not that bad. <laughs> right. And that, you know, like just, you know, for, for those listening that might relate to that, you know, like one of the most resilient things you can do is kind of wake up and do that, like do the head clearing to go like, it doesn't mean you want to use. I mean, it's your unconscious. It doesn't mean you want to use it. You didn't actually get high, even though you might've felt that way in the dream. It didn't mean you secretly, you know, are longing to use, and it doesn't mean you need to go out and do it. And so for you to like wake up and kind of do that head clearing where you kind of check all that with yourself and then get on with your day, it's like the best thing you can do. Because unfortunately there's a lot of people who have those dreams and they really don't understand that that didn't mean that they want to use. Like they think, well, because I had the dream that it means that I want to use. It must mean that unconsciously I still want to use. And it's like, no, I mean, like our dreams do a lot of stuff to us. Sometimes it means absolutely nothing. Sometimes it's just a manifestation of stress. You know, we, we know that the using dreams are part of a long-term process of not using drugs after an addiction, you know, and, um, there are different triggers that come up all the time. Um, so, so there's that, that, you know, like that, that can easily send a person back into using because then they also feel guilty. They feel ashamed that yeah, they dreamed sure. of it. And like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You're unconscious. Like you can't control what happens when you're asleep. So like, that's a really, a really good, strong thing. And I just want to pull that out from you just, you know, because there might be people listening who are feeling guilty or shameful. So, yeah. And, and I, I don't know a lot about addiction, but for me, I have this feeling that all addictions kind of attack the same part of the brain, whether it be smoking or overeating or mm-hmm. it could be social media. I mean, I'm addicted to my phone most of the time. <laughs> but, so I, so when, I, when I got rid of my drug addiction, I went straight for food addiction. So Did it was you? like, I'm going to eat. Yeah, I gained 120 pounds. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say from where I'm sitting, you look pretty skinny now. So you must have also overcome that one, too. That yeah that that one was way harder than the drug one. That, Tell I mean, me about it. That one I get. Yeah. <laughs> that that one's a little bit more difficult because drugs you could stop doing and never do them again. Food you have to learn to eat it and yeah. And, and at nighttime on my nights off, I I binge eat. Like I seriously, mm-hmm. I've, I'm not. I, I don't get full. I just I'll just eat and eat and eat and mm-hmm. eat. Well, that is part of the same emotional thing that was going on for you with the, I mean, I'm going to project here and kind of just jump to psychobabble conclusions with you, but that that was, you know, probably the same thing that was, that the drugs were feeding. You're also squashing that down too. So, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, when you say it's at night, where maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's <low> so, <laughs> right. So don't make food your girlfriend, you know, like, oh, I mean, like <laughs> she's, she's always there though. Right. She's always there to take care of you and make you feel better, but she's really not. She's like that abusive girlfriend that one day you wake up and you're 120 pounds heavier. And then you're like, why didn't she stop me? So it's, she won't because, you know, it, it feels too good when you're, when you're using it. I know. I just, I just want to eat more food. Oh, it's, mm. it's such a hard one. And, um, Food addiction and smoking, like you said, I've heard those are like the two of the hardest ones. I mean, you know, a lot of addicts who 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 get out of in recovery over over meth or heroin or or yeah. any kind of drug, alcohol, being alcoholics. Sure, it's, smoking becomes like like double. Like I, I when I was in the program, it's like people they smoke and smoke and smoke. It just becomes a new addiction because they they consider it not as bad. I mean, right? They hold on to it and say, "I still need a vice." And that that's still like addicted, twisted thinking, you know, now that the trend in recovery places is to um, some places don't allow smoking, but Mm -hmm. um, a lot of places um, at least encourage smoking. I mean, encourage, sorry, (laughs) the trend right now is to encourage the stopping of the smoking and you give everything up. So then they can deal with the person who's really raw hiccups and doesn't have and doesn't have um, a vice, right? Because people think they need to have a vice and they don't. And I mean, in every way, I mean, like, so I just got hypnotized pretty much to deal with my own food issue today because, you know, that's, I was like, well, I'm doing all this stuff. I exercise, like I need the mindset change so that I'm not looking to food to comfort me. And um, so, so I, I relate on that end and we all have our issues and that happens to be mine. So, um, so when people are um, going into recovery now, it is really best that they just kind of fess up to all the things that they do and that they would like to get, you know, to get a grip on and so that they can be in a safe place where they can be vulnerable and work on all of that. So, um, so now the trend is to like not allow smoking in some of the places. Yeah, tr- smoking's a big vice. I've never actually smoked. I've never smoked ever, so that was like not even an issue for me. Well, that's really good. Yeah, I, I think I was from growing up. I watched my mom chain smoke, and uh, s- s- um, for her, um, I don't know. Maybe I should not talk about my mom. Okay. Okay. We won't. Yeah, and we're going to. Yeah, I don't want to do like real therapy with you, so I'm trying to yeah. keep pulling it back into generalization. Yeah, I was trying so. to. I was gonna like. Explain the the reason, like she, her button, the button just clicked in her head, like oh, I don't need to do this anymore. But nah, forget it. But for me, well, you know, well, <laughs> well, well, what they do say, just on that note, there is like this statistic about people um, who change those addictive behaviors, and you know, there's a lot of you know repeat, you know, they say there's a lot of repeat business in the recovery business, right? So because people keep coming back, but what they say is that a third of people get better with help, a third of people get better without help, and a third of people never get better. So the recovery places stay in business by the third of the people that never get better, right? You know, mm, yeah. I can assume there are those people that get better with help, but that help can be an inpatient thing. It can be outpatient. It can be weekly therapy. It can be AA meetings. You know, how the help comes isn't really prescribed. Um, we all know what is like a best practices for recovery, Um but there are people and like like with the smoking, like I did hypnosis and I was smoking two packs a day. And I remember, you know, this is bad for the environment, but I remember throwing the throwing my pack of cigarette out the window of my car <laughs> when I was driving 
home that night from the session going, I'm no longer a smoker, you know, and, and thankfully now it's one of the things I take pride in helping people overcome smoking and I don't hypnotize them. I just have some tricks that work for them. And, um, that I was able to apply to my own life, um, in addition to the hypnosis. But, um, you know, and that was like probably 20 years ago, throwing the pack of cigarettes out in the car. We didn't know anything was ever going to wreck the environment in the 90s. Oh, yeah. So I'll just say <laughs> that for people listening. I'm, I really wouldn't do that at all today. <laughs> so, okay, so it is like, yeah, throw all this stuff out the window. Remember that, though? People used to throw stuff out the window of their car all the time. Oh, It was like the this time. monumental thing that I was just like, boom, I'm throwing it out. It was like 9 o'clock at night. I don't need these cigarettes anymore. I'm done. So, yeah. But um, – but we, we look at now and people get better in different ways, but some people just won't. And we, you know, and there's, I have ideas around that, around, you know, lack of resilient traits and people who just don't have the personal like strength to even learn, like to kind of get away from the impulsivity or the attachment injuries that they have to be able to focus on how do they build the skills to actually leave behind these really sabotaging behaviors. But there's, there's a lot of thinking on it. There's genetic thinking on addiction as well, or genetic markers. So there's lots of reasons why people don't get better, but we kind of know it's a third, third and a third. So you know, and that's why when people work in the field of addictions, part of my doctorate work was was born out of like my work running the Salvation Army because I would see how like family systems would pull people out of out of recovery. They would see somebody getting better, and as soon as they started making some progress, the family would call, and as the director, they would call me and say, "Hey, well, can they have an overnight pass instead of a three-hour afternoon pass? Because we really need them at home to help us out." And it would be like, "Well, no, it's really better for them to only go yeah. in like." Little and things like that. But families will say, we want them to be recovered. We want them to be as healthy as possible, but they will do things that unconsciously pull them out of it. So, um, so I, I kind of designed a theory and a way of mapping people through that change to help not only the person in recovery or the person wanting to make any kind of behavior change, but it's a visual way of looking at it, but also to help the therapist working with the client. Because a lot of therapists that work in the recovery field get very anxious and they go into crisis management mode with people when they come in week by week. And when you get to a certain point in recovery, you know, all of a sudden their body wakes up, their emotions wake up, they start having to get back into their, you know, the expected life, right? You have to go get a job. You have to start being like a partner or think about like having relationships and being close to other people and being vulnerable. And that can raise a lot of things that feel like crisis from week to week with the clients. And so like I wrote this to help therapists themselves manage their own anxiety with working with these people so that they don't go into crisis management and caretaking mode for the people trying to make the changes because that's actually sabotaging for them as well. You know, mm. so it's to empower both sides of the fence, both the therapist and the person making the changes. Yeah, because I guess you could get you can get kind of, um, I, want, I don't want to say swept away in other people's stuff, but you can definitely get connected to it in a way, right? You can't get too personal. You can't get too connected to all this uh, input. Well, well, we get we get very attached to I our know, clients. I know, it's got to be really like, hard, our though. Our clients don't know. Like, some of them, 
today I had a session where I teared up with a client. I've worked with her for a long time and we had, you know, a moment, but, um, you know, but I don't want to take them home. I mean, when I worked with the foster kids, that was something I had to learn early on, you know, that maybe I was there to help reparent them, which was helping reparent me, but it didn't mean that I needed to take them all home and adopt them. Oh, you, you know? probably want to though. It's... Well, I did. There were kids I, I loved and it broke my heart to know that like certain things just weren't going to happen in their lives or that they couldn't be in this ideal setting or whatever. But, you know, you learn, you have to separate and go, okay, I'm here. And this is my, my, my role is once or twice a week with these kids for this amount of time. I don't buy them things. I don't give them gifts. You know, I mean, we have these boundaries that we work within, but our relationships are still very special, whether it's with a six-year-old who's been abused or whether it's with a 45-year-old who's trying to get, you know, have a successful relationship. Like we get attached. We're all human. We get attached through our connections. And so, um, you know, but it's, it's kind of like understanding how far we can get attached and how to leave it behind as well. So, yeah, so that's why I was saying, like, I wrote this because, you know, I, I witnessed therapists get caught up in the crises of their clients and really you know, not treat themselves very happily, you know, healthily, right? They, the, the therapist then might go home and have too many glasses of wine or, you know, might, might overeat or just kind of be reckless with themselves or set aside their own self-care, their own exercise, because they want to see more clients because they feel like they need to, to do more good work. And really they need to take care of themselves and they need to kind of keep healthy boundaries and remember that their life is their life. Their profession is their profession and clients are going to come and go and people are going to be successful and people are going to fail, you know, and you have to just be okay with that. Hmm. You think you can get a good sense when someone's telling you a bullshit story? Well, yeah, and it doesn't make any sense when they're coming to therapy to do that. And I get it that there's mandated people. I don't personally see mandated people in my private practice, but I did for years in agency work. And, you know, but you know, I like to think if you're good at what you do and connecting with people, at some point, they're going to say, by the way, I lied to you. Or I'll be able to go, hey, you know what, this doesn't make sense because like three months ago, you told me this and today you're telling me this and I just want to reconcile, which is the truth. And so, um, you know, you have to be comfortable with kind of going to those places with people too, going, you know what, this doesn't make any sense to me. Um so, you know, you, you get you get pretty good at it. And you also think, you know, if someone's lying or they're not that invested, they'll fall by the wayside. And, yeah. it, and it's my job to make people get better. It's my job when they say this is what I'd like to have happen in my life. It's my job to help them figure out what are the steps that they can take to get there. It's not for me to handhold them through the process and go, wait a minute, you said you wanted to do this and now you're not doing it. Like that's not what a therapist does. You know, we just kind of guide people and help them kind of see their own path. Yeah. I mean, that's really all you could do as, as an, as an ex drug addict myself, I guess, I guess technically I would consider myself always a drug addict, you know, because if, if I mm-hmm. touched it, I'd still be right back in it. So I but I just I'm not active. Of course, it's been almost 10 years. But I, I had something I was talking about right now. I just totally forgot. So your own head is a drug addict. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Okay. I totally, That's okay. I totally, totally forgot. It okay, we're, we're doing a lot, a lot of heavy duty talking. So it's oh, yeah, this is good stuff. Well, <laughs> well, almost anybody who listens who is listening right mm-hmm. now probably has can connect with this in some way. Whether, whether it might not be drugs or might not be food, but it could be something. Mm-hmm. I'm, 
I'm to be addicted I, to relationships, people re, that yes. are addicted to the thrill of a new relationship. So maybe they have really chaotic, you know, relationships or people addicted to being a victim or people addicted to, and, and I'm using it as a process thing, but yeah, yeah. People, people have stuff that they struggle with, um, whether it's an addiction or not. People struggle with things, with emotional obstacles. I wonder if back in 1800s, 1700s, if this whole addiction thing was even really a thing. I feel like lately it's just we have so much going on as people. We just want to consume it all. Like I want to play video games all the time. When I'm not working, I want to play video games. I, I want to be on my phone. Even though I just looked on my phone. Just, I, know. I just let me check it again because it's been 30 seconds. Like, yeah. do I need to do that? No, I, I admire the people right. who check Twitter once a day. I'm like, ah, you're, you're freaking awesome. I, I, I do relate and do wish I was one of those people, but I do know what it feels like to shut it off or put it on plane mode and let it sit there while I you don't. actually attend to some other part of your life. So I'd say to you, then maybe that's, maybe that's a place of growth is to kind of put your phone on plane mode. I always tell people like when <laughs> I'm couples, not I'm not ready. <laughs> couples, couples struggle a lot with like one person always needing to be on the phone, or maybe they both sit in the living room on their phones all night and they complain about it. So I'll say, okay, well, it's seven o'clock at night put them both on silent and stick them in a drawer somewhere, you know, and then see what happens to your life when you're just interacting with each other because people forget how to interact. I and forget how to interact with people. I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much solo. Most of the time I live, I live alone. I work alone. Like I'm out oh, really? cl cleaning the streets, cleaning parking lots. I don't see people. Uh -huh. I don't really see people I work with. I come home. I just hang out until I go back to work. I work graveyard. So it's more like hanging out resting uh, until I go to work and then I work all night. It's, it's this constant loop of uh, – So do you uh, want to change that? I don't know how to interact with people. The, this podcast is the only way I know how to do it. Once a but week – you're doing fine. Yeah. I can do this. I can do Skype. I can't like – I can't do eye contact and hanging out with people in person. It, it, it seems like some shtick I'm doing but it really stresses me out. I don't know. What uh -huh. it is. I, I get it in my head. But I mean if, if you – I mean – I mean, we could talk solutions and things if you wanted to. Yeah, I want to. Well, I, don't I mean, here's people sometimes get too scared to think about, especially social awkwardness. People think that when I say, well, do you want to change that? They think, oh my gosh, I'm going to like send you out to some social function. Like, that's not really how you would conquer that. Like, are there things that you like doing? So, besides the video game things, anything mm -hmm. outdoors you like doing? Do you like hiking? Do you like, you know, um, bike? biking, you know, um, anything that would kind of perk your interest. I like all that stuff, although okay. my anxiety keeps me from doing any of that stuff. So, oh, even, even by yourself, uh, going for a little hike or something. I don't know. My, I, my, okay. I would get in my brain and stop. My anxiety will stop me from going to the theaters a lot. Like I'll, 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 I'll pace back and forth with my partner. Like, Hey, I want to go. The movie's going to start. Oh, I better go. I got 15 minutes. Oh, again. And I'll just, and then my brain is super overactive all the time. So I, I gotta be doing, I can't, I can't just hang out. <laughs> okay. So, well, here's where I was going to go. And here's yeah. usually an easy tip for people just to start kind of looking at how do you broaden your like potential for interacting with other people. So I usually tell people to like look up like meetup.com and like find like an exercise class or, or a hiking meetup or 
a walking meetup or people, I used to go to meetups because I didn't know anybody when I moved to California and I was 30 years old and didn't know anybody. So I was like, well, I got to make friends and I got to force myself to do it because I was otherwise pretty socially awkward myself through my twenties and stuff. And so, um, I've, I went to meetups where like, I like going to the movies. So, and I wanted people to have dinner with, so they actually had meetups where you'd meet at like some restaurant at the mall and there'd be like 20 people that don't, that don't know each other. Maybe some of them have been to others before you sit down, you have a meal. People go, what movie did you want to see? What movie did you want to see? And they kind of pair up and go to the movies and then, you know, you, or you have dinner after the movie and you meet at the movie theater and then everybody comes and talks about the movie that they went to. And this way you have something to talk about. But then there's other um, things like hiking meetups, you know, and people can go out and do that. I used to go to a exercise meetup, like a boot camp kind of thing. Um, ended up now four years later with the personal trainer who used to run it was, is now the guy that I've, I've been going to for four years. But, um, you know, so there's lots of like little ways depending on how deep you want to go with, with your connection to others in the beginning. You can go to meetup.com and kind of look through any of the groups. There's tons of them. So you could even start by doing like uh, the video thing is okay, right? Because you can socially interact with people through the video games. But sometimes it's – but sometimes that can like kind of reinforce the isolation, right? So, mm. you know, so just something to think about. I would, I would say the way you're describing things, I, I'm, this isn't like an easy fix for someone who struggles like yourself. So I'd say, you know what, there's lots of ways and, you know, we could talk separately about that. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that to you on the air. And it's a longer process to understand how you orient yourself in the world and how you think about yourself and perceive yourself, because that's part of what therapy does is like, it helps put the person in the context of like, all the influences that brought them to where they are today. Like, what were you like as a little kid? What models did you have for social interaction? When was, did you start having bad experiences socially and stuff? And I'm not doing that to you on the air, but that's kind of what the process of therapy would look like. Yeah, yeah. I don't. If you even see me in the grocery store trying to pick out some ice cream, right? I was like, okay, this one, this one, okay, this one. Oh, but this one has like 10 calories less per serving. And then, oh, this one looks better. I, I might spend 10 minutes walking back and forth. Like, like, uh, so you have a lot of compulsive uh, thinking. Yes. Yeah, you have a lot of compulsive worrying. Uh, sometimes like, yeah, I, yeah. I'll be on my phone like this. I'll say, stop, stop, just stop. I can't watch movies or TV shows often without pausing it a bunch. Mm. I don't know. But it's just, what, is that anxiety? What, what, mm. what exactly is that? Yeah, I'm not going to diagnose you, but yeah, I got no, don't a, diagnose in my head. But, but, but certainly, yeah, it's anxiety. It's anxiety-driven, and your thoughts are perpetuating this, um, whatever it is about making decisions or taking things in or paying attention. It, it sounds like you allow yourself to get caught in your head. And I say allow yourselves kind of freely. Like I know you don't really – feel that there's control over that but it's a matter of you've gotten caught into this cycle so you it would to change that you definitely need to work on ways to intercept and recognize the thoughts as they happen intercept them change them and then refocus on something else and in the beginning of a process like that it can feel like you're doing it like 24/7 right because if you're mm -hmm. constantly in most setting you know in almost all settings it sounds like having that kind of um uh ruminating thought process or interruptive thought process, you know, you're going to be like doing 
thought-stopping actions, like constantly, and it's going to be exhausting, but just like in our little improv thing where I said, okay, so watch the show 25 times, like I almost, in that process, you almost want the person to get disgusted with having to interrupt themselves so much so that then they go, you know what, I don't have time for this, like I need to just focus, and then they teach, they learn new ways of focusing or new ways to, it's really attending, right, it's not really focusing, you can um, go to the grocery store and it just attend to the fact that you want to make a decision. You want this ice cream or that ice cream and then being okay with that, without, without whatever the judgment is that goes, I need one that says 10 calories less than the other one. And <laughs> that that's going to make it a better experience. You need to remove the judgment. So all of this is a process yeah. that therapy can really work wonders on. I mean, it's, that's kind of, you know, and, and it doesn't even, it wouldn't, it might not even be a very long process to do because uh, there's a lot of quick ways to start intervening on on anxiety thoughts so but yeah certainly it would be born out of anxiety do you, do you feel like do you feel like anxiety is becoming more and more common well we have you know with as you mentioned like the phones and things we we have so many distractions and distractions can cause anxiety yeah, right yeah and that's why like do shut off the phone. I think sometimes like I used to get so used to bringing my phone with me when I would go jogging and stuff because that's how I listen to music is on it. And it's on those rare occasions when I like I forget and I walk out of the house without it or I purposely decide I'm going to leave it at home. Like my experience is so much different, more peaceful. Whoa, that whoa, I don't wait, even... you, you will leave your house without your phone? I have to purposely think about it sometimes to do it. And I'll say, well, you know what? I don't need to deal with anybody for a couple of hours and I'll leave without it. What if you Um, get lost? You need GPS. I got a car for that. Oh, oh, my (laughs) palms are getting sweaty. I couldn't imagine. And and for that, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go on a three-hour drive to somewhere new without it because I would want it and need it. But I will go on my jogs. Like I'll I'll leave my house or I'll drive a short way and go somewhere that I know. But the whole idea is that it becomes a more peaceful process. Or the nights where I forget and like when I'm at when I'm at work, of course, my phone's on silent. It's either on silent or on plane mode, and so I don't even see that text messages are coming through or anything like that. When I come home at night and I'll put on, you know, a movie or something or read a book, like all of a sudden I'll notice like an hour and a half later and go, oh, like I haven't bothered with my phone. And then I'll realize that it's been on silent and it's such a pleasant experience to not have, even if it's just like fun stuff, like the Twitter stuff or Facebook or whatever, like fun interruptions it can be so much more peaceful without it. So, you know, so like that's, that's like a, a, a bit of a growth experience. So you were asking about like, do I think that anxiety is around? I think that the overstimulation that we have going around, especially in our, you know, American culture, I think a lot of countries now are, are still are there with us, but I think we have so much overstimulation and lack of, coping skills, you know, and stuff like that, that it kind of fuels an anxiety prone, um, kind of society really, Mm. you know, I think, I think we all have a little bit of edginess and anxiety from time to time, you know, I feel like it's just becoming way common. It might, yeah, we're just like, we have so much stuff going on. The, the, the moment 
there's not something going on. You yeah. freak out. Like, what am I? What, right. what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I can't sit in a room with silence. Like, what? What are you thinking? I'm, I got Spotify. I can just listen to music. That I got Netflix. Be the best thing you ever did is sit for three hours in silence and just sit with yourself and see what what happens. Uh, uh, I'm not. Do, I'm not telling you to do that because I really I don't know uh, you at all, so I don't know what kind of thoughts would come up. But that would be some kind of like therapeutic exercise that I might have somebody do is just say, okay, on Saturday morning from nine to 12, like there's no electronics. How about from just 309 to 312? There you go. You could do that. Start small. You start with <laughs> with an attainable goal. So cause then you'll do those four minutes. Then you'll go, oh, okay, I can do five next time. I'll do 20 the next time. Yeah. So that, that, that you're not that far off. Some people, it does start with just a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's, uh, Wow, this is an awesome conversation. I'm learning stuff. Great, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just my anxiety's always been a lot. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast. I've always considered myself sort of to be horribly awkward, but it was more like if I could force myself to to reach out and meet people every week, I can have I could talk to somebody different every week, every week, and it it sort of helps. It's helped a little bit in my confidence, a little bit. Yes, I saw I started the podcast off with only friends. And slowly that evolved to other people. And I started, you know, getting like actors and musicians and, and people who I really looked up to. And I'm sitting here talking to them and, and I'm able to get, get on Skype and it's, it's not a problem. When two years ago, the old podcast yeah. I started, I freaked out when it came to getting on Skype. I was so nervous. I couldn't do it. I mean, I yeah. did do it, but it was hard. Right. So you're already kind of prime, you primed yourself and kind of found so far one outlet that allows you to let go of some of the awkwardness and challenge yourself, you know, so with the podcast. So that's already like you're already, you know, the, the potential for you to change is great because you already have like found ways to work around your social anxiety to challenge yourself and connect with others. Yeah. So that, you know, so, so I would, I would be very hopeful that like if you really wanted to make those changes, there would be ways that you would challenge yourself to do that. So, yeah, I, got, I think I, it's great that I think it's great. And what a creative way for you to attack it by starting a podcast where you have to interact with people. Yeah. That you and, didn't start and, a podcast where you just talked yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to talk, but I ramble a lot. I'm not the smartest guy, but it's, it's fun. I, I get people like Colleen Mullen to come on and do <laughs> improv and you're like, Okay. Um, yeah, let's do it. You're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. We're both uncomfortable. Yeah. Then, the po- then I start talking, and the podcast is like, "This is easy. This part is completely easy." Mm-hmm. The, the shitty thing about this is most of the people I meet. I mean, I, I've been, I, I've made a lot of friends through the podcast, but sadly, nobody lives here in Fresno. So, I mean, I do have some LA friends that they want me to come out. So, I'm, I'm trying to work up that, but yeah, but I'm also putting little roadblocks and little, and little things to stop me from doing that. Like, oh, I don't know if my car would handle drives all the way to LA and blah, blah, or I don't know. Well, I do have sleep apnea, so that's kind of scary. When I, when I drive long distances by myself, my body like is like, oh, I'm tired, let's go to bed. Well, you could take a train, right? I mean, so there's always a workaround. Oh, see, see, you're not supposed to tell me these ways. I guess. I... See, and then I think, I think, well, if you're comfortable within within the podcasters, you should go to Anaheim, and I'll do a little plug for podcast movement. You should go to podcast movement in the summer and meet everybody. Podcast like, movement is in LA. I mean, uh, Anaheim. It's in Anaheim in in this this year's one. Yeah, I went to the one in in Chicago last year, and so the new one is in Anaheim. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so you should think about going to that. 
What, you could even walk around with a microphone in your hand because we're all podcasters and that's what a lot of us yeah. do. And um, you could just, that's how you could interact with people there. That would be, that would be so perfect. Do you know when it is in the summer? I should look that up. Uh, I'll tell Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you as is we're that, talking. Oh, that could be amazing. Cause I get, I get vacation, you know, in the summer, usually I take. Uh-huh. That could be perfect. I can go. I mean, I, probably, I know I know a lot of podcasters. I'm sure somebody's going because it's That's only right. in like one spot, right? And then everyone kind of travels to that. I spot. know probably ten of us going. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. Like I made such good friends at the podcast movement last year. So um, yeah, you definitely should go. So let's see. Oh, August 23rd to 25th in Anaheim. Okay, and that's probably on a weekend. No, it was during the week last time. Oh, is it? Is it like a how many days they do? I don't know much about it. Like two and a half. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, that would be freaking amazing. The funniest part was in oh actually twenty oh twenty third yeah it's a Wednesday to a Friday so um so it was funny last year so it was July fourth or it was July sixth but I got to Chicago on July fourth because I was like well I'll probably never be back in Chicago so I'd want to see the fireworks and so I went there on July fourth but I knew people were going to be there early so I'm walking around this hotel and I know there's hundreds of podcasters there and on on the day before when everybody was arriving I'm like yeah but we're all podcasters nobody knows what we look like. <laughs> So I knew, so I was walking up to people going, should I know you? Like, who are you? What, what podcast do you do? And I was just taking a chance that they were all podcasters. Thankfully, it worked out, and it was really great for connecting with people, and it kind of pushed me out of my own comfort zone to walk up to strangers and go, hey, like, what are you doing here? Are you here for the conference? So and then the next day when we were all there gathered for it, it was just kind of, you know, we all wore our swag and our little, you know, our, our, our IDs, so it became much easier. We could go, oh. I know who you are. We talk on Twitter. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's really awesome. The connections you can make with podcasters and just the community of people semi like-minded They're They've got a semi, you know, they got sort of the same goal to create this podcast. You know, some podcasts are really creative and, and just, you're like, wow, you're like, you're doing all that for free. Yeah. You know, like you're putting like, because it's an art form that people love. And I, I, I it would be awesome just being like, I, I'd probably dig it. I'd probably... You would. You I'd, would. I might be staring at the ground at my shoes the whole time. You would not be the only one doing that. Or have there's sunglasses. A lot of, there's yeah. a lot of socially awkward people podcasting, so... That's true. Yeah. You'd, you'd be among <laughs> among similar people. <laughs> this might be an actual thing that might happen. I'm Because I know some people in LA. I wonder if they'll, they'll be uh, going, you know, like Jason from the Three is Comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he keeps trying to get me to go over there. To, I mean, I can just travel up there and, and, and record a podcast with them in person. And it scares, sure. it scares the shit out of me. But... Uh. But, but you could do it. But I could and do maybe it. if you just jump in the car and go do it, you just rip that band-aid off. You know and what? There it is. That's a good idea. All right, Colleen. Um, I'll, see you later. I'll, <laughs> Jason, I'm on the way. I'll see you in LA. We'll go do it together. Let's go. <laughs> that would be cool. Podcast. Podcast moving. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, look into that. I didn't know I thought it was always like a Chicago thing. No, no. Apparently they have it at different <clears throat> locations. I'm really thrilled that they're doing it in Southern California this year. Cool. Well, yeah. let's let's wind down a little bit. Sure. I'm gonna ask a couple questions I got here. Um, mm-hmm. Then then we'll 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 do some some plug in. We'll talk a little bit about your stuff, and then we'll we'll roll it out in the next couple minutes. Okay. But 
Question number one, the most important question is, who is your celebrity crush? George Clooney, no George, question. Oh, George. But now he's married, so. You yeah. saw him, so crush. I'm, you could, who yeah. else, though? I mean, there's, I guess there's a few. Um, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal would be one. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal get, really gets into anything he does. Like, he is that character. Yeah. Yeah, but George is kind of consistently cute over time. <laughs> George Clooney is just George Clooney. He's Mr. Stud in every movie. I got a little a little friend trying to come in. I'm trying to tell her I'm recording. <laughs> my oh, little neighbor is coming up to my window. <laughs> She's nine. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm recording. <laughs> so so she looked all disappointed. <laughs> oh, so um, George Clooney would be it. Of course, Brad Pitt. And then there's probably some odd looking dudes that that I that I would crush on. I don't know. I, I kind of want to Google, you know, like actors and see. I could probably name 10 guys well, that I'd have a crush on. Yeah, but George yeah. Clooney was the first one that popped up. Oh, yeah. That's the yeah, official one. Yeah, he's been one. consistent for years. Yeah. That's the official yeah. one. No, question number two. What, wait, where are my questions? Did I erase them? Oh, no, I got, I got them. Okay. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say horribly awkward podcast? You. There. <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to mind is your little icon. I know. Because I, th- I thought that guy didn't look horribly awkward in your icon. So It's all purple. You, yeah. <laughs> it's all purple. Purple with sunglasses. And your, I look <laughs> like the Unibomber. Look at me. I got sunglasses yeah, and a beanie. <laughs> but you were owning it. Like it didn't look horribly awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a picture of my buddy ran a filter and i was like you know what that was kind of yeah. neat i'm gonna i'm gonna scribble some graffiti on it and call it my yeah. thing okay number two what is your very first actual job uh, oh, babysitting around the neighborhood i used to write letters to the mothers in the neighborhood na- to the parents in the neighborhood when i was like 12 telling them how responsible i was and that if they just gave me a chance to watch their kids they would be happy with how well they were taken care of. Nowadays, that would and be I, the creepiest thing if somebody if you got a, a letter saying how you were you were the most res, most res, responsible person. Let me watch your kids. You're like, what? Yes, but, at, but at twelve, as a girl, that was pretty pretty creative. It got me it made me money at twelve. Yeah, I I I, I was a good babysitter. Babysitting's a, that's a legit job back in the day. But can you imagine getting a letter in your in the mail just saying, "Can I watch your kids?" Yeah, my. <laughs> My my next my first legit like on the payroll job was with some sleazy lunch lunch uh, luncheonette owner and he used to tell we were like fifteen or sixteen me and my girlfriend worked there she worked there first and I worked there and the guy like on the third day was like you know you're gonna get better tips if you like raise that skirt up a little bit like literally I was like fifteen or sixteen years old and I was like oh my god you're a creep is that what bosses are gonna be like and I think we probably stayed there a couple of weeks and then we're like we got to get out of here so oh, yeah creep factor creep factor creepy who does that yeah creeps uh <laughs> question number four if you could time travel you have a round trip ticket to time travel to any time for you can go in the future or the past for one day you get to go there for one day and then come back where would you go mm, okay uh, I would go um, somewhere in the 60s. Oh, no, no. I would go probably like want to be like, can I also change my age and be like age appropriate for where I want to be and the kind of fun I want to have? Oh, I never thought about that, but sure. Okay, because, you know, I would I would be 
like to be like 25 around 1977 and go to the discos. Oh, that would be a blast. It's official, but that's what I would want to do. Or I'd want to go hang out with the hippies and have some free love in the 60s. Or I'd want to go and, you know, see the flappers and Prohibition, you know, so in the 20s. So, you know, I could I could get with different points of the past. So... I would love to go back to prehistoric times and see dinosaurs, but I might not make it back. But it would, yeah, that would be neat too. Just, (laughs) just, I just want to walk around and look. And you're like, well, there's not even that many dinosaurs. I had to walk miles before I saw anything. See, but I would want to be around people, and I think the dinosaurs would just—I'd be afraid there'd be no people. Oh yeah, there would. If you saw anybody be a caveman with with a spear and they tried to hunt you, uh they—it'd be nothing but uh, it would be all fear. Hello, yeah. neighbor. Yes, my little neighbors are like, aren't you coming over? Um, but I'll, I'll see that. They're just standing at the door in the dark. They're going, come over now. <laughs> like they, they're demanding. See, I'm still babysitting all these years later. <laughs> Mommy's away and I guess they're bored with daddy at this point. So they're like, come over. <laughs> Sorry, distraction. <laughs> That's fun. I don't have no friends like that near me. I don't even know any of my neighbors. Uh, well, these are like my, my best buddies and uh, – I uh, I live in a little house on their property, so it's not like they're really coming next door. I'm in their backyard. <laughs> okay, last question is, if they made a movie about my life, who would you hire to play me in the movie? Oh, I'm so bad with the name of actors. That's why George just stays on my mind. But um, I'll take George. Yeah, I'll be... I'll be... <laughs> oh, you know who? One of those... Owen Brothers. Um, no, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson with, with the cr- cricket nose. Okay, yes, him. Owen Wilson I, with the cricket nose. Yeah, but don't focus on the cricket nose. He focus owns on, it. He, so, he, could probably, he could probably play you well. I, I love the fact that he just owns it. Doesn't get it fixed. Just this is my – that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, awesome. Colleen, you're, you are awesome. Thanks. And, this uh, was great. I had a good time talking to you too. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, anybody who who's listening who may or may not have connected with anything we said, I know you didn't connect with anything I said because I'm I'm a spaz. But uh, the camera's getting turned around. What's going on? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> They're holding signs up to my window saying, "Come over." Say, <laughs> "Feed me." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's perfectly fine. That's awesome. This that's real life stuff that just happened. It is. It know. is. So if anyone's listening, you might want to give any kind of advice, simple advice. You know, obviously you don't have to get too personal because you don't know anybody who's listening. But what kind of advice would you li- would you give to somebody who's listening who who does deal with some sort of addiction? I mean. Well, addiction stuff, I would say, you know, really go go talk to somebody, get some professional help, whether that means that you sit in a therapist office or you go to an AA meeting or a smart recovery meeting or you check in someplace, like get some help for the addiction. People need assistance and support with addictions. Yeah, you cannot you know? do it on your own. For the for the anxiety, for the social socially awkward, I would say, you know, like you're doing, you're finding ways to push you know, and test your limits on what's comfortable and what's not. So you're reaching out and doing podcasts. I would tell other people, find something else that might test their their abilities just a little bit. Go for a walk in a place that might have people and makes, you know, and smile and say hi to people as you walk uh, down the like street. To actual people? like ugh. Yes, actual humans. I promise you that they'll smile back. And um, 
So do that. Or, or if it's really debilitating, again, go, go see a therapist because, you know, dealing with anxiety and dealing with social awkward, socially awkward, um, kind of anxiety is, I mean, it's not, it's, everybody's different, but it's usually something that where people can find ways to make progress relatively quickly. So I would say, don't be scared of the process. And yes. if anybody's listening and they really want to know something different, I do do 15-minute consultations. And um, so I'd be happy to talk to anybody if they wanted to call and say, hey, I heard you on here and, you know, want to know more. I'd refer them to somewhere in their in their area too. That's awesome. That's that's a – it's such a, a technology. We can actually do things over Skype. That's great. Yeah. Well, and if they're in California, I can even Skype and take them on as clients if they wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. So, yeah, awesome. Let's get to the wrap up part. Do we do that? What do you think? Did we do it or should we do no, it? We're going to do it right now. Ready? <laughs> Let's get to the wrap up. Hey, yo, Freeman. Yo, what's up, Iams? Dude, what's left to do? Oh, man. Wrap it up, son. So on Twitter, people can like reach me at I'm at Dr. Colleen Mullen, and I love interacting with people on Twitter. And uh, my website is coachingthroughchaos.com. And for those that are listening, maybe might be interested with Super Bowl coming up, the current episode of Coaching Through Chaos features um, a president of the local chapter of the NFL Alumni Association who's... um, not only talking about all the charitable work that they do as the alumni for the um, NFL, but he talks about his own experience with being banged up a lot in the head um, and, and head trauma, concussions, and research being done to help the symptoms of that, but also for upcoming generations to play safer. So, you know, um, Super Bowl Sunday is, is in a couple of days, and, you know, this person's story is one of resiliency and overcoming a lot of obstacles because it really took him down. Um, the symptoms that he was dealing with after having physical and mental injuries um, on the field. And so so that's the current episode there. And as you mentioned, the current episode of Shrink to Shrink is uh, features Bridesmaids. So it's really, that one turned out to be one of my favorite episodes because of course it's one of my favorite movies, you know, so it was fun to record. So um, Shrink to Shrink, um, we're also on Twitter and it's Shrink with the number two in between Shrink. So Shrink to Shrink at Twitter. And uh we're on iTunes and Stitcher and all the other podcast places for both of the shows as well. Yes, two very good podcasts, and I, I really dig the the just you, the connection you have with, with Courtney. I, just the the flow of that it's 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 awesome listening to you guys Thank talk you. about watching movies that I've already seen, but in a different light, and mm-hmm. just breaking down the characters. Obviously, they're not real people, but you just break down the characters and right. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Thank you. So we say shrink to shrink is like Siskel and Ebert with a psychological twist, you know? It's not it's not it's not a, a movie review show, it's a movie like breakdown show, yeah. Yeah, and then he's yeah. like uh Courtney's also he, does he do the editing? Courtney? He does. Courtney does the editing for that show. Yeah, he's really I, I appreciate everything that he does cuz I figure my job is really to pull out some, you know, like I tell him even what scenes cuz I don't know how to clip them. So I just watch the movie, tell him what scenes, and then I just show up and talk like I really have it made with that show so, so i feel like i'm really appreciative of his assistance with it yeah i need a uh, i need someone to come on and do all my work for me <laughs> that's right i just want to do the talking 
That's right. I tell you, it's so much more pleasant to do that than to have to worry about all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, two very good podcasts. Uh, Thanks so much. The Xander, right? Xander? Is that, that's Xander Keg. That's yeah. a great episode for, for people to listen to. And right. there was another one. You, I forgot who, which one it was. I listened to a couple other ones, but... Okay, well, oh, and then another one is a great episode. Uh, and again, this person has now turned out to be a great friend of mine. Um, it's the episode that we titled um, uh, uh, Fire and Iron, I think. And I think he I was a. I did listen to that one. So that is Matt Schobert, who is a 29-year fire chief who um, also was an Ironman finisher in his mid-40s. He did the Ironman, and a year after the Ironman competition, he had a freak accident on the job. Um witnessing a brush clearing a rock came and hit his jaw and knocked his jaw off of his face and he is now reconstructed so when i met him again he reached out to me so he had this story of like oh my gosh you should hear what i'm dealing with because he has post-traumatic stress and no longer can work but he has found a way to he's he's constantly working on overcoming the symptoms of the ptsd but out of you know, his, his desire to still help others and stuff. He's training people to do Ironman competitions and, you know, and is trying to like keep, uh, be an advocate for the unspoken, you know, uh, plague of PTSD among fire, the fire, um, workers, um, firefighters. So his story is really compelling. Um, and that was an in-person interview also like the NFL one was an in-person interview. So those are, you know, I really, and Xander's was an in-person interview. It's great. San Diego is full of people that have been so accessible and really just generous with their time and their stories. So I love those ones, the stories that are, are of people overcoming these tremendous, horrific obstacles in life, you know, um, or desires to change that they find a way to do it. Um, so Fire and Iron is that one. And then Tackling TBI with the NFL alumni is the current one. And then Xander is the other one. So that's among Coaching Through Chaos episodes. Yeah, everyone should, everyone should, yeah. should check have, it out. Right. We have 40, I think, 45 episodes. So those are just three of my favorites. Yeah, you're such a clear clear speaker. And I'm not really that way. I'm up and down and up and down. Like, I don't know where oh, I'm thanks. going, but that's my charm. And you're just like very clear and direct. <laughs> And it's it's very it's very pleasant to my ears <laughs> when I'm working. Well, thanks. <clears throat> um, thanks. Well, yeah. Sean, this has been great. I appreciate you reaching out to me and having me on. This is great. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And big, I forgot to do the shout out section, which I normally do. So big shout out to Roel Santos. Yes. Where uh, that's where I, I I heard Colleen, and I, I actually I sent a message to Ro, and I was like, Ro, dude, I'm gonna. Um, Basically, I'm gonna steal one of your guests because she sounds awesome as crap, and I need to, I need to talk to her. Awesome as crap. That's not really where I, where I've gone before, but that's a good one. I'll take it. Thanks. <laughs> not awesome <laughs> as crap. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and a bi- also, big shout out to Maggie Carr and Alyssa White for coming on the podcast last week. Check out that episode if you miss it. Um, my plug stuff, the horribly awkward podcast. You guys, I have big news. My friend Rocky Suits has created a new podcast network. It's just starting. It's called Hush Your Face. That's a great name, right, Colleen? Yes. Hush Your Face. <laughs> um, it's a new. Uh, it's a new podcast network, and I'm going to be. Even though the BS Podcast Network Network has been good to me, 
I've had no issues with them. I'm going to go jump on. I'm going to join his network, Hush Your Face. Big, so big shout out to him. Um, listen to their podcast as well, the Tavern Podcast and the Hush Your Face Podcast because I'm going to join their network and because we've been really good friends lately. So it's like a connection. We can, we're kind of like building this um, thing together. It's cool to start a network from the bottom up. and That's I'll, really pretty great. Yeah, it's it seems like it's going to be a good move. So big shout out to them and the horrible gamers. My old podcast is going to be joining that network too. So we're going to have like it's it's going to be cool. It's going to grow and grow. Um, you guys could find me on Twitter at awkward underscore podcast. You can find my personal Twitter account is they call me Iams. As well as if you want to play games, if you want to be like a full grown child, full grown child like I am, I'm on all gaming platforms as they call me Iams. You can, the email is horriblyawkwardpodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Voicemail number is 510-603-475. So you can send me an email, a voicemail about whatever. Just send it to me. Say, Sean, I listened to this podcast. Colleen was pretty awesome. And you talked about stuff that was too personal. You upset me, Sean. Cool. I'll play it for you. <laughs> so thanks. Thank you, everybody. Colleen, thank you. You're the best. <laughs> thank you. As Gidget would say, Peace out, Brussels sprouts. Hey, it's the S to the M and the L to the Islam. Slammer in the house, so drop your listen. Poor with glee, backward cock flies. Merrily sock, bird telecast. Destiny doctor downcast. Callously squandered lamb. Heavenly slaughtered broadcast. It's the horribly awkward podcast. Well, today I was hypnotized for four hours, oh. so that was that was random, and uh, well, not so random. I mean, like it was planned out, but it was a random kind of experience because it's not something you do every day. So it was pretty cool, and uh, and I feel different already. So whatever he said to me is working. So do, is that like what they do at the fair when they put a bunch of people under and have them like quack like a duck on stage? Uh, I don't think I quack like a duck, but I think I stayed awake the whole time. But I love hypnosis, and uh, I quit smoking by hypnosis years ago. And so this was to work on a different uh, issue I'm having with something, and this was the non-knockout um, uh hypnosis is NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. So it's conversational. So I was never like out. But what happened was, is that my, my friend that was doing it uh, to me, he comes to my office and we started at 11 o'clock today. And like from 11 to 12, I get that we were just talking, but then it turned into like the, he went into more of the interview and then we start doing more of like digging deeper into stuff and I get, and he was having me do visualizations. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, he's like, so we're going to leave off here. And it was literally like 10 to three. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so I, I know that that's like part of the process because whenever I get hypnotized, I um, always think it's been like 10 minutes and it's been like an hour or something. So, so I lost track of time in that. And so I know that I really was in the process of the hypnosis. So it's really interesting. And I left feeling totally different. In in what way? Like mentally or physically or both? Both. Like how I looked at myself, how I felt in my skin. I mean, you know, uh, everybody has little things, little obstacles with their personality. You're horribly awkward. I'm a little insecure, (laughs) you know. And so I I was having them try it out to kind of boost what I'm already doing for my health and wanted a change of attitude. Oh, yeah. That's a horribly awkward show.